Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up, for many, the workplace today is already much different than it was just a couple of years ago. Are even more changes in store in 2023? A new report from Indeed and Glassdoor examines the trends that will play out in the coming year. We'll take a closer look. Also this morning, to your health, November is Lung Cancer Awareness Month. The most important fact being that it's not just smokers and ex-smokers who are at risk. And time to take a break from the hustle and bustle of the season with some outdoor time and December events from the Hancock Park District. Michelle Rumschlag will tell us what's happening. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Tuesday, November 29th, 2022. Right up front, it is Giving Tuesday, global movement to raise money and raise awareness for humanitarian projects. Uh, This is the 10th anniversary of Giving Tuesday, launched in 2012, uh, when founders hope to make giving a more central part of daily life. And the fact that it comes after Black Friday and Cyber Monday and all of those post-Thanksgiving days of... Uh, conspicuous consumerism, the idea of giving back, which is really kind of the idea of the holiday season to begin with, I think is a a, a good break, uh, a good thing to kind of wedge in there. Giving Tuesday originally blossomed at New York's Belfer Center for Innovation and Social Impact, which is now an independent nonprofit that helps generate support for the Nonprofits of the entire world, which uh, often offer matching opportunities on Giving Tuesday uh, through generous benefactors, so you can make your giving uh, go even further. Uh, 2021, incidentally, broke giving records, and organizers hope to break records again this year. So, Giving Tuesday in just about every nonprofit in every community all around the world has something special going on. Today, So if you haven't already, be prepared to be inundated by appeals for your generosity today, Giving Tuesday. Give uh, to the extent that you can. You know, it is also uh, Travel Tuesday, the travel industry, trying to uh, hone in on the uh, giving, especially in the past couple of years, when uh, travel or the idea of gifting experiences has sort of caught on. Uh, with the public, so uh, the travel and tourism industry uh, trying to make this Travel Tuesday. So they have a lot of good deals on travel right now. Number of the number of the airlines are offering uh, big discounts uh, if you uh, purchase tickets today. Uh, cruise lines and you know, Airbnb places like that. Uh, are offering special deals in this Travel Tuesday, so there is that as well. And today, the United States hoping to advance to the round of 16, the knockout stage of the World Cup. Today in Qatar, um, the U.S. is in a win-in-your-in situation to make it out of the group stage. The first two games in the group stage were each uh, a draw. They uh, played to a, what was it, a 1-1 draw with Wales to open the World Cup, and then a scoreless draw with England uh, on Friday. So today is it. The U.S. needs to beat Iran in order to advance to the round of 16. Uh, Iran, for their part, coming off a 2-0 win over Wales, And so they are actually ahead of the United States in the group standings. But none of that really matters. It is basically a win-in-your-in scenario. Uh, England and Wales play in the other uh, game in the the group. But uh, that doesn't matter. What happens there doesn't really matter as far as the United States is concerned. You beat Iran. You uh, advance. If not... We go home, and so that's where things are, and that uh, kicks off at 2 o'clock this afternoon, uh, TV coverage on Fox today. So that is happening. Um, Here is the other thing you need to know this morning. It is throw out 
the leftovers day. Throw out your leftovers day. If you still have leftovers from Thanksgiving, you better be finishing them off or tossing them out today. The experts at foodsafety.gov says that uh, if they were stored properly, assuming that they have been stored properly this uh, whole time since Thanksgiving, today is the last day that your turkey and all of the trimmings can be eaten safely. Uh, Even in the fridge, food can spoil. And uh, it's kind of interesting. The USDA did a survey, and 31% of the people uh, in the survey did not realize that the food... The Thanksgiving leftovers can actually spoil even if in the fridge. Even if you've done all the things right, uh, today is really the last day that you should be eating your Turkey Day leftovers. Here's the catch, though. Uh, Any leftovers uh, should have been put into the refrigerator immediately, not after they had been sitting on the table for three or four hours. Uh, 76% of those in this USDA survey let the food get to room temperature before putting it in the fridge. And experts say when that happens, uh, that shortens the afterlife, as it were, even more. Even when the food is steaming hot, you should refrigerate it. Uh, And if you did not store it properly or put it in the fridge, it may have already gone bad. But assuming that You've done everything properly. Today is the uh, last day to eat it or toss it. The other thing that you can do is uh, freeze it. That'll make it last a little bit longer. But then, of course, to consume it later, it's a little bit more complicated. You got thought and all of that. So if you have any questions, you can check out Food Saver, uh, the Food Saver app, the uh, foodsafety.gov website or the Food Saver app, which gives guidelines about how how long you can keep all sorts of things, not just your Thanksgiving leftovers, everything from the last chunk of Thanksgiving pumpkin pie to your baby food and how long that would be. So uh, you can check that out. Uh, but today is uh, throw out your leftovers day, last day of your Thanksgiving uh, leftovers today. Uh, let's see what else is going on. A couple of other uh, items among the first things you need to know this morning. Are you, do you have your Christmas tree up yet? Are you going to do a real tree this year or do you do the artificial thing? This is the great debate, which is better for the environment. Now, it's pretty easy to imagine that reusing an artificial tree year after year after year is the more sustainable, environmentally friendly option because you're not cutting down trees. You're not sacrificing trees that you're only going to toss away later. But uh, that may not necessarily be the case. This is a a longstanding debate. Which is more environmentally friendly, an artificial tree or a real tree? If an artificial tree is used for six years, which is the average amount of time people tend to keep artificial trees, six years, uh, the carbon cost is definitely greater than for a natural tree. If the artificial trees are used for a longer lifespan, that balance changes. Um, This is according to a report on, uh, on CNN. They broke down the environmental facts between artificial and real Christmas trees. Uh, It would take 20 years for the carbon balance to be about equivalent. And this is because, and and most people don't use the same artificial tree for 20 years. So in reality, the artificial tree is in most cases a less environmentally friendly option. And that is because artificial trees tend to be typically made of polyvinyl chloride plastic, or PVC. Uh, Plastic is petroleum-based and created at pollution-belching petrochemical facilities. So there is that. Uh, And then, of course, they go into landfills, whereas Christmas trees, generally, when they are thrown out at the end of the season, are either mulched up and reused, or they uh, become wildlife 
habitats and that kind of thing put in in the woods and and so on to become habitats for uh, for wildlife or uh, in ponds. A lot of people will sink the the tree in the pond, uh, become uh, kind of a, in a, a habitat for your fish in a pond and so on and so forth. Studies have also linked PVC plastic to cancer and other public health and environmental risks, so there is that. And uh, so the long and short of it is that, generally speaking, a live tree is more environmentally friendly than an artificial tree, although that may be somewhat counterintuitive. So there you go. And uh, lastly, this morning, among the first things you need to know... The most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. Every day, we have to have something to be worried about. Have to have something to fear. And this is that story for today. It says here, in this report from the Newswire, some rats in the nation's largest city apparently are carrying COVID-19 mutations. New York City has millions of rats with sightings up 70% this year, 70% this year compared to last. And now scientists at the USDA and the University of Missouri have discovered COVID mutations in some rat species, including the Omicron, Alpha, and Delta variants in 16% of the 80 rats that were captured in Brooklyn and tested. So, rats are carrying COVID mutations. While there is no evidence that rats can actually transmit COVID to people, researchers say there is evidence that the virus has jumped from humans to white-tailed deer and minks. So, it is not... Uh, a stretch to think that even though there is no evidence, and we don't know that this happens now with the mutations that could happen at some point down the line. So there you go. If you needed something to be fearful of this morning, because every day you have to have something to be scared of, there you go. You're welcome. So there you go, some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Tuesday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather, mostly cloudy today with a high of 57. Showers are possible tonight, a low of 46. A man's facing a variety of charges after allegedly leading police on vehicle and foot pursuits in Findlay. The Findlay Police Department says an officer attempts to pull over the 30-year-old for a vehicle violation in the area of Carnahan Avenue and McConnell Street, but the man refused to stop. The ensuing pursuit went down streets through parking lots and alleys before the driver exited his moving SUV and fled on foot. And that's when a police canine was released to apprehend the suspect, who police said had three active warrants through Finley Municipal Court. Get more on the website. A firefighter who was hit and killed while responding to a crash in Cleveland was laid to rest over the weekend. Cleveland firefighter Shane Patton heartbroken over the loss of Johnny Tetrick. Always smiling, always in a good mood. Akron, Painesville, Menor, Cleveland, and many other fire departments in attendance, an outpour of love and support, not only from first responders, but also members of the community, everyone here mourning the loss of a hero. Firefighter Johnny Tetrick was a 27-year veteran of the Cleveland Fire Department. Not everybody has the same access to the internet, and some rural Ohioans are hoping to narrow that digital divide. Congressman Bob Latta is working with the FCC to create broadband maps, all to help communities with no or little internet get access. The FCC has finally produced a uh, computer program that you can go to and put your address in and to show if you do or you don't have access and what the speeds are, who uh, are your providers, etc. Congressman Latta has also introduced the Spectrum Innovation Act. The House passed it this year, providing safer internet from outside threats. WTOL 11's Amanda Fay reporting. 
A pop culture professor from Bowling Green State University will be giving a lecture at the Hancock Historical Museum in Findlay. Dr. Chuck Coletta's lecture is titled Good Grief, a history of the Peanuts comic strip and a classic Christmas special. The lecture will be held on Thursday at noon at the museum. Reservations are requested but not required. I'm Matt Demchek for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Well, of all the ways that normal was redefined during the pandemic, it was perhaps most dramatic in the workplace, which begs the question, what will the next new normal look like in the workplace moving forward? Well, the folks at Indeed and Glassdoor are out with their 2023 Workplace and Hiring Trends Report. And joining us is Aaron Tarasas, Chief Economist with Glassdoor. Aaron, tell us a little bit about the uh, 2023 Workplace Trends Report. What uh, What is this? So this is the first time, indeed, in Glassdoor, two recognized brands in, in finding a job and workplace insights came together. Our economists came together to look at the data and try to look into the future and see what 2023 might hold. So what are the hiring and workplace trends? Kind of break this down uh, to the top five uh, trends for 2023. So the top trend that we identified was that hiring is going to continue to be a challenge, particularly in some markets and some industries. Now, I recognize that may sound a little weird at a time when we're all talking about recession fears and layoffs in some corners of the economy. But the reality is, if you look at the demographic trends, if you look at uh, attachment to particular employers, all of the numbers suggest that, um, you know, beyond the near-term noise of what may or may not happen in the first half of next year, hiring is going to continue to remain a challenge, particularly in um, a handful of key uh, industries of the economy. You know, the second trend is that with inflation rising, compensation is top of mind for a lot of employees. Mm-hmm. But the way that employers really distinguish themselves is through benefits. That's kind of the the distinguishing factor that we're going to be uh, looking at next year. Uh, That's one of the questions I wanted to ask. What do these trends mean uh, with respect in kind of real world terms for both employers and job seekers? And with respect to the employers, how do they set themselves apart in what we know has been a very difficult environment uh, to find good quality employees? I think the the most important message for employers is that you don't build your company for the next quarter, you build it for the next 10 years, hopefully longer. Uh, There is so much happening in the economy right now, so much uncertainty. We moved from this world where it was incredibly difficult to hire, it's still hard to hire, but there are all of these dark clouds looming over what may happen early next year in the economy. Don't lose sight of longer term goal uh, that uh, attracting kind of top talent is what makes your company successful for your 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 customers and and uh, anyone who invests in the company as well. So, what about for job seekers? Uh, when you talk about these uh, hiring and workplace trends that you see in the coming year, what do these changes, uh, these trends mean for job seekers? I think for job seekers, the most important trend is that research right now is more important than perhaps ever before. You know, you think about someone who was in the job market a year ago, if they found a job and took a job that maybe wasn't the best fit for them, they, they didn't like their manager, the culture wasn't the right fit, the consequences were pretty low. They could get back on the job market and, and find uh, a company that better fit their, their needs. That may not be the case in the first half of, of 2023 uh, with a slowing economy. It may be a little bit tougher to find a job, um, at least, you know, for a quarter or two. Uh, and so the consequences of finding a bad match right now are a little bit more elevated than they were a year ago. Now, you mentioned a, a couple of key uh, hiring and workplace trends from this uh, report. Are there others that kind of stood out for you that uh, uh, you know stand out as being the, among the most significant? Yeah, I, I think another one that's really important is that culture matters more than ever. You know, employees who rate their company five stars in Glassdoor are about half as likely to have a wandering eye as employees who, who rate their company one star, you know, half as likely to, to look at jobs elsewhere. Um, we also think that remote work is here to stay, and it's going to be expanding into roles and sectors, um, you know, beyond the, the sectors where it was kind of most common over the past year. And then finally, uh, companies are going to continue their investment in diversity, equity, and inclusion, 
uh, even as they're dealing with so many other challenges. I think they recognize that this is an important thing, particularly for younger generations. Now, let me kind of put you on the spot here uh, a bit. Again, we th- we think about all of the ways that, that work has changed over the past couple of years, ways that really no one could have predicted. Uh, and certainly we don't see another global pandemic on uh, in the future. But I, I guess the question, how much stock do we put in these predictions? Uh, because there's always that known unknown. Uh, there's there's always a possibility sure. that something is going to come out that no one sees coming. How does that possibly throw a monkey wrench in all of this? Yeah, so I've, I've been an uh, economic forecaster for a little over 10, 15 years now. And I think kind of an important lesson is that the future humbles us all. You know, there are always those, those curveballs out there uh, that, you know, you can't see. But the reality is, you know, usually the future approaches us like a little bit like kind of hiking in a fog. You can see the contours roughly of what's coming. And that's really where we try to do. You know, we get, we get that there's uncertainty. We get that the future is a wild and crazy place. But we can kind of make out. The, the the contours of what's coming, kind of like like driving down a foggy road. And, uh, it's not perfect, but you can see yeah. a little bit ahead. And, and, you know, the point has been made that, you know, these changes that we saw over the past couple of years were not so radical as it was accelerating trends that most people kind of okay. saw coming uh, on down the road uh, already. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think kind of there are those trends that, um, that are, 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 you know, you, you can see. The reality is, um, a lot of these trends that are in the future, you know, you have some sense of, of kind of the, the broad shapes of them. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the question of timing and the timing of the landing is the hard part. Yeah. Again, Aaron Tarazas is a chief economist with Glassdoor, Indeed, and Glassdoor out with their 2023 workplace and hiring trends report. Where do we get more information for folks who want to kind of look a little closer at all of this data? Yeah, you can double click on the report on glassdoor.com slash research. Download it, read all the details of what we just talked about. Aaron, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. your health this morning, lung cancer accounts for one in four cancer deaths in the U.S., making it the deadliest form of the disease. And November is Lung Cancer Awareness Month. Dr. Daniel Baffa, the American College of Surgeons Commission on Cancer, is with us this morning. And obviously, when you say the words lung cancer, the first thing most people think of is smoking. Uh, And there certainly is a direct link there, as we know. But one of the most important things to understand, Dr. Baffa, is that this is not exclusively an issue for smokers. Non-smokers can get this as well. Yes, Chris, that's exactly right. So about 87% of lung cancer is diagnosed in somebody who is a current or former smoker. Mm-hmm. But one out of seven lung cancers happens in somebody who's never smoked. And so Um, There are some lung cancers that run in families, so there are some genetic components, uh, but there are also environmental factors uh, such as radon uh, that can build up in basements um, and houses. So um, certainly you can get lung cancer and never have smoked. So it is not an insignificant number of individuals who will uh, get a diagnosis of lung cancer and probably be uh, blindsided by this, you know, having not smoked and, you know, uh, not realizing just how at risk uh, they may be. So with that in mind, who should get screened? How often? When? So, So right now, the screening is focusing on smokers just because we know that group is at highest risk, by right. far uh, the highest risk. And so um, right now, if you're 50 or older and you've smoked, you should talk to your doctor about screening. There, the Whether or not you're eligible depends on how long you've smoked, how many packs you've smoked, and when you last smoked. But lung cancer screening is a huge deal. It will, it'll reduce your chances of dying of lung cancer by 20%. So that's, that's the most potent uh, weapon we have against lung cancer right now is finding it early when the treatment is easier on patients um, and the treatment is most effective. So what should uh, individuals be 
discussing with their doctor when should they uh, ask about lung cancer screenings? What advice would you give to someone uh, with respect to lung cancer screenings? So when you have that conversation with your doctor, the first thing is, are you eligible? And if not, when are you eligible? Try mm-hmm. to understand when, when, when it's uh, appropriate for you. The other is to talk about, you know, is it covered by uh, insurance? A lot of people uh, are worried about the costs. And for the majority of people who are eligible, um, it's, it's free. It's covered by Medicare. It's covered by Medicaid. And, and if you don't have insurance, most hospitals uh, will help you figure out a way to get it covered. To understand what is the test. So it's just a couple minutes. You lie on a table. You go through a donut. It's not uh, people that are claustrophobic usually don't have a hard time uh, with this. And then to talk to your doctor about what if they find something. You know, it's um, the, the one of the most exciting things about lung cancer right now is the treatments have never been better. The the surgery, the non-surgery, it's safer and it's easier on patients and it works better than it ever has. Well, that was actually going to be one of my questions uh, with respect to that. If uh, someone does get a diagnosis, then what, again, one of the things that I think most people think when they uh, hear the words lung cancer uh, is incurable, and that is not necessarily the case. What uh, are the options for treatment of lung cancer? It's a great, great question, Chris. So the, the, if you find it early, then most patients and, and most of the cancers we find on screening are early. Um, they're eligible for, for surgery. So we do surgery now through little incisions. So it's minimally invasive. Um, we take less lung tissue. People spend shorter times in the hospital. They get back to work and their normal activities of life a lot faster. Um, if you're not eligible for surgery or if you need something in addition to surgery, um, radiation is more concentrated and causes fewer uh, symptoms and side effects. And the chemotherapy is very different. I mean, we all know somebody who really got beat up by chemotherapy and their treatment. Um, we're much better at controlling symptoms and side effects, and the treatments are much more targeting the cancers themselves. So we either have ke- uh, treatments that use the immune system, so your body will fight it itself, or Um, We have targeted therapy, which takes advantage of a genetic change that the cancer cell has that the rest of you probably doesn't have. And so you can use a a medication that just attacks the cancer cell and leaves the majority of the rest of you alone. So it's much more effective, a lot fewer side effects. Again, the month of November, uh, Lung Cancer Awareness Month, talking about uh, the fact that, uh, number one, it is not just a disease that is exclusively to smokers, although certainly uh, smokers more predominantly diagnosed, and again, that there are uh, early diagnosis and treatment options there. Again, Dr. Daniel Boffa is with the American College of Surgeons Commission on Cancer. Where do we get more information uh, on all of this for those who, again, this is a perfect time. We come up on the holidays, have these conversations, the month of November, Lung Cancer Awareness Month. Where do we learn more? So, Chris, I, I love that you're talking about the holidays. The if, if just 300 people get a scan, one life will be saved. So that's a gift, you know, getting a community center, getting a church, getting your friends and family together to just get the scan, um, you will save a life. And uh, we have more information on our website, uh, which is www.facs.org slash lung. Dr. Boffa, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. So a follow-up to the story that we had yesterday about the cat that was hidden inside uh, the passenger's luggage at JFK Airport in New York City. Uh, This was all over social media the Thanksgiving weekend. Um including the x-ray photos where the security people discovered the stowaway cat, which the x-ray photos were kind of creepy, but thank goodness they found the uh, the cat. The cat was safe and uh, so on. 
This is the crazy part. The uh, follow-up turns out smells the cat. <laughs> smells. <laughs> the cat's name. Uh, smells was found by TSA agents in a suitcase last week bound for Orlando, Florida. Turns out that the cat did not even belong to the passenger whose luggage it was stowed away in. That's the crazy part. It wasn't even his cat. The owner of the cat said uh, that uh, Smells must have uh, crawled into their house guest's suitcase while she was off doing something else and nobody noticed. Luckily, agents spotted him while the uh, luggage was being x-rayed and uh, all of that. But that's the crazy follow-up. The cat wasn't even that passenger's cat. Uh, The cat has been uh, safely reunited with its owner and no worse for wear, but... Anyway, kind of a uh, follow-up there uh, to that story. Here is uh, some of the new broken news we have this morning. It is highly dangerous and downright illegal to drive over the influence. Um, And yet some people still do it. And then there are these two guys out of Massachusetts. 25-year-old Jacob Holsor and 47-year-old Lionel Lionel De Silva were in an inebriated state, reportedly, when they decided to jump into their cars around 3 a.m. on Sunday and race each other on Interstate 93 in New Hampshire. That sounds like a brilliant idea. The uh, plan blew up in their faces when they hit over 100 miles an hour and passed a police cruiser. (laughs) Uh, yeah, it's Thanksgiving weekend. It's a holiday weekend. You didn't think that the uh, cops would be out patrolling or something? I don't know. The uh, trooper clocked them at 120 miles an hour and uh, pulled over Mr. Holsor's vehicle. He was arrested for aggravated driving under the influence. Uh, and then he turned in Mr. De Silva as the person he was racing. Uh, so he he turned on his buddy, and uh, Mr. De Silva was arrested for the same charge. Uh, like his buddy, both have been bailed out. They will be in court later on this month. Oh my! <clears throat> Just blew by the cruiser. The cruiser. I'm I'm guessing that the uh, cops sitting on the side of the road must have wondered what in the world is going on. Uh, It's like a gift just landed in his lap. Uh, Speaking of gifts, it is the season of Santa. The big guy has arrived at the Santa Claus Parade in Vancouver Island. Uh, Chaos ensued when one reveler got into a fist fight with other uh, viewers along the uh, parade route. In the spirit of the holiday, the uh, 2022 Peninsula Co-op Santa Claus Parade, which was being held on Saturday, an attendee decided to spread holiday cheer with his fists. Uh, According to the uh, local police department, a parade spectator approached members of the Vic PD contingent to report that a man had assaulted a member of the crowd and was walking through the crowd trying to instigate additional fights, is according to Victoria Police. The report continues, officers approached the man and escorted him away from the parade route in an effort to effect a safe arrest in a safe location away from bystanders and children in the area. When officers moved to arrest the man, he began to fight them as well. The identity of the man has not been reported. He has been placed under arrest. (laughs) That's one way of spreading Christmas cheer, I guess. (laughs) MMA style. Uh, Let's see. Elsewhere in the uh, broken news, a Sacramento woman will have her ashes shot into space. For her last adventure, Cy Vang 
will join an elite group this week of people to grace outer space after death. Thanks to Celestis, which is a company that works with SpaceX, Spaceport America, and others to send the cremated remains of loved ones into space. Uh, According to her son, uh, Ms. Vang traveled the world, seeing over 30 countries, passed away in November of 2020, uh, complications of cancer. Her family said this is a way to send her on one last adventure, even if it's after her lifetime. Says it is something that she would love. Isn't that crazy? Get your ashes shot into space? I don't know. I just thought that was kind of bizarre. And finally, in the uh, broken news this morning, here's a problem that no one saw coming. Authorities in Antwerp, Belgium, have intercepted so much so much smuggled cocaine that their incinerators can't burn it fast enough. And this in turn, yeah, and this in turn has led to another problem. There is so much seized drugs in storage that the gangs are now trying to steal some of it back. (laughs) Authorities are working on a solution to the problem, uh, which could include building more incinerators. The Times of Brussels reports about 100 tons of cocaine were seized at the port of Antwerp, Belgium, in the past year, and 110 tons are expected to be seized this year. The report says that's about $5 billion in street value. You can see where the uh, criminal gangs are trying to lay their hands on this. They cannot burn it fast enough. That is crazy. There you go. Uh, that is uh, today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. WFIN says thank you for listening. And remember, you can listen around the clock on computer, smartphone, or tablet. Start your day with Chris Oaks and good mornings. And stay with us all day long. You also get CBS Sports Radio plus all of our locally originated sports programming. Listen live whenever you like at 1330 WFIN 95.5 FM and at WFIN.com. Where you can also grab our free mobile apps for iOS or Android. Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. We mentioned a little bit earlier, today is throw out your leftovers day. You should uh, have all of the leftovers from Thanksgiving finished off by today. And if not, it is time to throw them out. And uh, just the same thing for your house guests. If they're not gone (laughs) by today, it is time to throw them out. This was kind of interesting, a new poll A new survey of 2,000 Americans commissioned by Serta Simmons Betting finds that uh, for those who are hosting uh, friends and family at some point during the holiday season, we're just past Thanksgiving, we're coming up on Christmas, so this is the time when maybe you have uh, friends or family staying over for a night or two. Uh, On average, people lose two and a half hours of sleep per day when preparing to have others in their home. Uh, Gen Zers are most likely to lose at least four hours of sleep per day in preparing for their guests. Interesting survey here. 32% of those in the survey say that they are both uh, hosts and guests at some point during the holidays. One in six will only host others in their home or will stay in others' homes as guests. But 32% will be at some point uh, both. Um, Gen Z respondents most likely to host millennials among those most likely to stay over as guests. And for anyone who wants to ensure that they are not overstaying their welcome, 49% of those in the survey, again, 2000 adults across all generations, 49% believe four days spending four days or more as a guest is too long. Um, it seems like an, an unspoken rule that guests recognize as well. 79% uh, say that their guests stay four nights or less 
So that seems to be the magic number. Um, more than one third of respondents, 34% to be exact, say the holidays are the most sleepless time of the year. Uh, 33% cite the excitement of the season. Uh, 25% cite the stress around preparing for the the season. 21% say indulging in too many holiday treats can disrupt their sleep schedule. And 20% say those holiday movie marathons throw off their sleep schedule <laughs> this time of year. Um, but back to the guest thing. When it comes to additional adjustments, getting ready for guests in your home, 7% of hosts say they hide their valuables. Do you do that? If you've got family coming, you, you feel like you have to hide your valuables from family? I don't know. I, it, you know, I suppose everybody, every family has that one black sheet that you just don't trust. 7% will hide their valuables ahead of hosting guests for the holidays. 25% of guests admit that they snoop in the nightstand or the medicine cabinet. Mm-hmm. They're snooping on you. Of the guests that were surveyed on this, Generation Z, Gen Zers, are the most likely to snoop uh, at 30%, 16% of baby boomers will uh, will snoop. <laughs> so hide anything that you don't want them to find. Um, for hosts looking to get a head start on cleaning up after their guests, this I thought was really interesting. Uh, for hosts looking to get a head start on cleaning up after their guests, it says, be careful not to bring out the vacuum too early. Research shows that baby boomers are the most likely to consider it offensive when the host starts cleaning up the guest bedroom before the guests have left. 70% of baby boomers said that that would be offensive. Uh, 53% of Gen Zers uh, are likely to feel slighted. That was the smallest amount in the, uh, in the survey. Um, but what, what I took away from that particular statistic is that's a good way of telling your guests that it's time to go. (laughs) If you, if you, uh, really want to send that unmistakable signal that it's time to go, start cleaning up after them before they actually leave and they'll get the message. By the way, the best guests, baby boomers, most likely to clean up after themselves When staying over at someone's home, 72% of baby boomers say they clean up after themselves. So that's always a nice thing. So anyway, again, coming off of the Thanksgiving holiday and heading into Christmas when we'll probably be hosting again over the next several weeks, some of the numbers on hosting and being a house guest in someone else's home that you may want to keep in mind through the holiday season. So we were mentioning uh, just a moment ago that this is sort of the the most sleepless uh, time of the year uh, with all of the uh, hustle and bustle. This is the time when people say that they lose the most sleep of uh, any time out of the year. There's so many things going on, so much stressing them out and uh, and all of that, that it can become very sleepless. I, I, can, I can see that. Yeah. But I mean, you just gotta, you know, just have some well, cookies and call it a day. That kind of leads me into... <laughs> This is a great way to kind of take a break from all that is stressing you out, all of the hustle and bustle of the holidays, and maybe just get outdoors, take a deep breath, and enjoy nature. And you can do that in December. It is not. You can. I mean, and think about it. You know, there's no mosquitoes. There, there might or might not be snow. We haven't had a lot of snow in December lately, Mm -hmm. so maybe this will be the year that. Who knows? We can get we can get snow, but it can be very calming. To be out. It is. And, and even though, I mean, the leaves have been gone for a while and everything's bare, but then it's just, I, I, I don't know. I just see the beauty and every season has its own. Exactly. Cool things to look at and stuff, especially because then you notice things that, you know, when the leaves are gone or when they're changing colors that you might not. Good point. See, and you can go out in Very December much. and and it's not going to be as busy. So, or, or there'll be those people that are distressing. That's who will be at the yeah. parks. Everybody. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Getting that mental break. 
and going outside. Michelle Rimschlag is here from the uh, Hancock Park District. Uh, always things going on. What is happening in the month of December? Well, talking about getting outside, we do have some hikes happening. And one of those is Saturday, uh, December 17th. And it's our almost winter hike. Of course, winter doesn't officially start until That's December right. 21st. Mm-hmm. Um, this will take place out at Litzenberg Moyer Woods at 2 o'clock. Meet at the gatehouse. It's all ages, no registration. And with all our hikes, there's no registration. It's just, you know, just, mm-hmm. just show up. Um, and again, we'll be able to just kind of, right, you know, there's still wildlife around. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything that's migrated or is hibernating will have done that, but there's still squirrels active and rabbits and cardinals and blue jays and woodpeckers and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, right, if it's one of those where, you know, I know it's, you know, a week before Christmas, but again, it's just, I need it's a couple the perfect hours, time. right? It's I need a couple time. hours. Well, you know, you think to, about this. You think about this. Uh, what are all of the uh, beautiful winter scenes that we associate with this time of year? Right. They're all outdoors, right? They're and all maybe outdoors. We'll have, maybe you. And and actually, that's the Saturday. If we have enough snow, there are raccoon run ski rentals will officially open on Saturday, December eighteenth. So we'll be open that weekend. We will be, again, we need to have, you know, enough snow out at Riverbend. So mm-hmm. good, probably four to six inches on the ground. Um, but then, of course, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, that weekend we will be closed. And then we'll open back up for New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. So that's happening um, weekends through February. So in the last couple of years, it's been February when we've had our snow. Right. So, again, fingers crossed. Now it's almost December. Now I, we get that weird snow in November. You know me, I love my snow, but I don't need it in November. <laughs> it can start in the middle of December. Just that would be perfect. Start snowing. That would and be just perfect. Be right. A beautiful time to go outside and, and right and take those pictures. A lot of people do that right after the fallen snow. Mm-hmm. Or it's also a great time to you know look for tracks and things too, and kind mm-hmm. of see you know what's what's happening in nature. Sure. So. Uh, anything else going on in the uh, month of December to highlight here? Well, and of course, you know, with the talking about the holidays, and so kids have various days off the week before and the week after Christmas, and mm-hmm. so we've got a lot of programs. Again, if you've got family in town, or you know, want to come out and do different things, and so we've got some um, holiday cookie classes, workshops that are taking place at the McKinnis House. Um, there's one on. Tuesday, December 20th, and this is called Old Fashioned Holiday Cookies. So this is for kids ages 11 to 15. It's 2 to 3.30, and we'll get to make cookies, some holiday cookies, and bake them in the in the cook stove and, and everything in the house. And then they're also going to receive um, a holiday cookie recipe book. So it's $5 per child. You just need to register that Monday before. So that's a late ages 11 to 15. And then on Wednesday, the 21st, it's called McKinnis House Tea and Cookies Day. So this is for our adults. Again, you know, 2 to 3.30, cookies, tea for adults. Just hang out in the kitchen. Again, you know, if it's snowing out, the cook stove will keep you warm. That would be perfect. Again, $5 per person. Um, so if you've got a teen or adult that wants to do some baking things, and again, you know. And again. That will be you need to sign up for uh, those yes, events? Yes, there's a cost for those. And okay. then some programs, you know, we'll say there's free, you know, no registration required. We let you know that. And most of our hikes and things would be like that. Or mm-hmm. we do have some that are free, but we, you know, need a registration, like our planetarium or something. Because we either have a limited space in the planetarium dome, or we're making a craft or something, and we, we need just to need to know. Need to know how many supplies. And, right. Yeah. Or, or a maximum, we don't want, you know, our space, mm-hmm. whatever. And right. then some of them, right, there is that cost to them. And so, you know, we want you to register. Or you can stop by the office, 1424 East Main Cross, where they're weekdays, 8 to 430. So if you don't want to do it online or you're busy in town, you can stop on by and get registered for those programs. Very good. Uh, anything else to uh, highlight in the month of December? Well, of course, we have our story times happening. And mm-hmm. so Monday, December uh, 19th. It's our Discovery Stories Getting Ready for Winter. Of course, this is 10 o'clock and 1 o'clock for kids ages 3 to 5 with an adult. But other age siblings are welcome. And that's the first day of break for, I know, some of those schools. Mm-hmm. Might, might have to go further into the week. Um, but it's just what our animal's doing. Again, getting ready for winter. And uh, we'll have different animal furs and a story and a craft and all that fun okay. stuff. So that's Monday, December 19th, Getting Ready for Winter. All right. Uh, very good. A few of the uh, things that are on the calendar coming up for the month of December. And again, uh, the parks are open anytime, so you can go out whenever you need a yes. break. Dawn, from dawn till dusk. Don't stuff. be out roaming at night. Yes, yes we've got a night. <laughs>
<laughs> but but you but yeah, get the idea. Christmas you, Day, I mean, and not you know, people celebrate differently. So if you want to come out on Christmas Day, yeah, you, you know can the other up. the other thing that I love about this time of year uh, in, in the parks, you go to the park or really spend any time uh, outdoors. It's just so quiet, right? It is. It is just really it. It's a great time to go out and just get lost in the quiet and the right. calm. And because right, not as and, many things, right? There's not as many birds and right. animals being exactly. active, and so yeah, exactly. it's a great it's a great time to to be outside. I I do yeah. that every day. Every time that I'm shoveling my driveway, right. I'll just stop at one point <laughs> and just stand there and enjoy the quiet yeah. because it's it's very good. Except for the snowblowers yeah. in the background, but. <laughs> You get the idea. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, the other thing to uh, to mention, um, because again, you're going to be seeing family uh, quite a bit over the next several weeks with the uh, holiday celebrations and so on, and uh, maybe you start uh, talking about uh, you know reunions, planning out things yes. in the uh, summertime. You can reserve those facilities now. Yes, it's a year to date. So, I mean, so you can register if you've got that family activity happening now in the parks because people still rent some of our shelters that have fireplaces. Mm -hmm. So you can do that through next November. But right, if you've got something, I would say this, if you were doing something in the summertime in Riverbend, I mean, you need to, to, to book that now because... If people will call a month ahead of time. Can I get a Can I get a shelter on a Saturday in June? And, yeah. and they're just all they're booked gone. up for various yeah. reasons. So yes, and that's another thing you can check on the website, HancockParks.com. Go under facilities, and you can get on the calendar and see what the availability is, and then you can book it right there. Yeah. So uh, something to keep in yeah. mind as you're uh, making your plans for the rest of the year. Uh, with your family over the uh, holiday season. Again, Michelle Rumschlag is here from the uh, Hancock Park District. All of the uh, calendar of events, uh, everything that's going on is uh, up on the website, as you mentioned. Yes, yep, December, January, February at HancockParks.com. Very good. Michelle, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the program at our webpage. That, of course, is goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the show, teaching teens important financial literacy skills, especially in underserved communities, as perhaps the best strategy for breaking the cycle of poverty. So until tomorrow morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. Catch you back here tomorrow.